This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Bassam Nognog and Letty. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. You are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is Season 10, Episode 2, probably, covering days 2 through 5 of Wolfshride. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is... Sybil Arnett, any all pronouns? Ryan Beatty, my pronouns are they, them. And last time, we talked about the mechanics of Wolfshride and got into it, where we met our gang of uh, characters, uh, the dog, Duke... Uh, Knife Leopard, your mech pilot, also referred to as Pineapples, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, Dominic Shade, uh, the character that you play. And we generally got a vibe around Rain City, meeting our like future um, mechanic, ZZ Zowie, and had our uh, mech exploded by in a fight with a mech called Wormageddon, piloted by Godworm. Great name also. He died. What else happened? Oh. There's some stuff involving match fixing with like mafia types who we find out today are actually like CIA. A lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff happened. You should listen to that episode and not this one. This is a visual novel. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) We start today with day two, 61 days remaining. And Sybil will read it. We kick off with Shade and Duke back at the table, which is where a lot of days are going to begin. Duke wants to know what Shade's plan is, and he just goes, look, you you fix the mech, I'll take care of the rest. We are told that uh, we need to find another source of income, because ZZ's cost of 10k is almost all of the fight money, and everything else is being chewed up by Knife's medical bills and the need to eat. If we talk with Duke, he will wonder why he is always broke, and if he is just alive to suffer. Yes, you are in Wolfstride. And you know what? It's wild to me how much money is spent on food when we find out later that Duke basically only eats like a cowboy where he's like, get me some eggs and beans. <laughs> Do you know how much eggs cost right now? No. I don't They're... grocery shop. My wife does. I'm bad at grocery shopping. All right, Code Toucher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. E- well, eggs well, are eggs are ridiculous right now. Also, our eggs get delivered. Word. Um, Jesus they're... Christ. Look, no, there's like a good local dairy, Smith Brothers, where I can back me up that their milk is, and cheese is very good, and they also it is have very eggs. good. Yeah, okay. It is, it's and extremely butter. good dairy. There is one joke in here uh, that made me laugh when Duke is like complaining about, you know, being usurped by ZZ and how he thinks that she's a witch, yada, yada, yada. At one point, someone says, can't you smell it on her? And he's like, I've got rhinitis. I can't smell for shit. And I... That's that very good. <laughs> There's some good jokes in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. As you leave the hangar, you will get your tasks for the day. 
where you need to find work and check on knife. Yeah, so we've got we've got some new jobs. The first one is uh very uh cutely titled BDSM, which stands for bike delivery no, service mechanism. Boy to deliver supply materials. And it's all capitalized uh, when ZZ says, I need a boy to deliver supply materials. <laughs> okay. I prefer bike delivery sadomasochism because uh, you cannot win these without getting upgrades that you don't know exist yet. Yes, uh, you can. So- <laughs> yeah, you can. They're like frame perfect, but you can. Wow. So yeah, uh, ZZ is uh, in need of said boy to deliver supply materials. She says that we can use the bike that is in her crapyard. The minigame is uh, like a combination of Paperboy and Excite Bike. Paperboy vibes with uh, Excite Bike uh, camera angle, I guess. Uh, perspective, that's the word I'm looking for. Shade rides a bike down the street trying to deliver packages to weirdos in hazmat suits before time runs out. The highway is divided into three lanes, uh, and you can speed down them as fast as possible, jumping over or switching lanes to avoid obstacles. Uh, The obstacles, when you hit them, lower your speed for a bit, and you have to, like, rapidly hit a button again to get back up to speed. Uh, There is also a dash that you get that you use on cooldown and also acceleration arrows, which it's like there's one obstacle is acceleration arrows pointing the wrong direction and... So you might want to, like, blow past all of them or jump over all of them, but then some of them actually propel you forward. Uh, the but music in don't hit this... them while you're already dashing or you waste part of your dash. Right. Yeah, a lot of what you need to do is perfectly time the dashes so you are always in uptime on that, if able. Mm-hmm. The music in this minigame is very good, but... Aside from your very first delivery, it's also extremely difficult to deliver all three packages in the time limit uh, until you get some upgrades or continue to repeat it over and over and over again, which I did not For the duration of the entire game. Mm -hmm. This is probably actually overall the worst way to make money, like even after all of the upgrades, because the other games are much better for it. We head over to Hog's Yard just kind of to check in, see what's up. And we ask Cog about his nephew, and he tells us that his real name is Francis Warhol, and he's been struggling with his real piece of shit mech for about a year. Hog appreciates the impulse, though. He once, too, got a classic car, and he spent four times its worth to get it working. And he ended up selling it for half the price, which torpedoed his third marriage. Hog is a really specific type of guy, and I appreciate him. Hog is Brett Payne. (laughs) Yeah, he is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah he is yeah he is hog has told his nephew about us and he's all fired up and hog is thinking about holding a match for the two of us meanwhile over at the crapyard we can talk to double z about cats and uh you might have noticed if you were there that there are cats everywhere she says she got them through a sense of obligation they were filling the streets of rain city she had room to spare match made in heaven they're now her family and keep her company. She says they're expensive to take care of, but she's working on that. I hope you look forward to later. You can do a side quest to find all 26 of them who all have a different name based on a letter of the alphabet. I am aware. You can also, and need to, sign the contract. We are told to sign in several places and that we will not regret it. 
and she says she's got some tasks to finish around the crapyard, so she will meet us at the hangar later to walk us through repairs. This is, I think, the game does not say outright that it takes place in Rain City that often, but it's called Rain City, and one of the art assets on, uh, like, the street areas that uh, you have to run through before getting into each location proper has mm-hmm. uh, an advertisement for a town called Everett. And that just made me think, oh, is Rain City supposed to be Seattle? And then I was like, but then why is there a Shinto temple? And then I was like, oh, I guess there are some Shinto temples in Seattle. and uh, uh, Not temples, shrines in Seattle. And then And then it was like... Maybe they just grabbed an asset that said Everett. I I don't fucking know. But uh like the word saying Everett with next to Rain City made my Pacific Northwest Homer radar activate. It's probably nothing. Also, we know this takes place in Brazil. Well Does do it? We? No. The, that's the, why the, they That's why they use the real. They're well, not I it's thought... not real. It's real dollars. It gets pronounced later. All right. And that also might be like a some a trigun thing, like double dollars, uh, which is one of the dumbest, funnest things in an anime, I think. Just like, yeah, we've just got double I dollars now. Ah, oh, so good. So I wish I liked Trigun. I don't know. Trigun looks really bad to me. Uh yeah, it's a it's it it's 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 interesting. I'm glad I watched it. It's not great, but there are some very cool things about it, I think. So we can go back to the hospital at this point. Shade asks Knife how he's doing, and Knife says he's a bit dizzy because of something due to his ears, but the doctor said not to worry about it. Shade thinks that's great news. Shade tells Knife that they got a real mechanic. She's expensive, but he's got a good feeling about her. Knife asks about Cowboy, and Shade tells him not to worry about it and just to focus on getting better while they take care of Cowboy. Shade bids Knife farewell, saying he's thinking about hitting the local bar today. Which we decide not to do because it's not available yet. And uh, we head off to the hangar. And when we arrive, the screen fades in and ZZ has just finished explaining to us how to do repairs. She says she can't truly get to work until she can see the whole picture. So we got to be fixing dents and frame damages while she provides materials as needed. She leaves us in the hangar with Cowboy still a smoking heap and Duke a shout out to this typo of Dooku. Uh, Duke tells Shade to get to it. Each repair hit we do costs money, so we should be mindful. Shade tells Duke that he thought that Duke was going to fix it. And Duke says, I'll handle the hard stuff when you take care of the surface level damage. And he has uh, several metaphors explaining this, my favorite of which was, you're the fly and I'm the shit-eating bacteria diving deep into this wondrous piece of crap. (laughs) Uh, Shade calls Shade calls Duke a poet, and Duke calls him a dumbass and tells him to get to work and to let him know when we want to call it a day. And we can now repair fight damage on Cowboy. It costs 200 to go from destroyed to 10 HP, and then another 50 per 20 HP, for a total of 1,100 to repair Cowboy, meaning that between the work with ZZ and this, you lost 200 bucks fighting Wormageddon. Great. And from here, we will have the task to find ourselves a bar. So ZZ obviously does not drink. And Hog's Yard is our next lead for this, where Hog tells us about the Rider, a place he loved and frequented that is now under new ownership. He gives us directions and says we're going to get along great with the new owner, Joy. And Joy is the most friends-at-the-table character you have ever seen. (laughs) 
I have no idea what that means. Um, yeah, she's extremely friends at the table. Also, uh, she always has an exclamation mark after her name in the game. And so it's always joy, which, uh, yeah, I've always read it like Jeb for that reason. (laughs) (laughs) Hands you a drink and then says, please clap. She kind of does. There's, there's a battle going on for the soul drink of America. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Ah. If this game had colors, everything she served you would be that piss yellow of a victory. That's right. (laughs) But we are given directions, too, and now can attend on the map the Midnight Rider, located in downtown Rain City. It is a classic-style bar. Hardwood floors, tables, jukebox, bar in the center of the room. So... The street leading into the Midnight Rider is the first, like, actual urban-looking environment that we've seen. So you're, like, going through a city instead of these old back roads. Uh, There is a weird koala monk who is holding his piss. And when you're like, you know, you can just, like, piss anywhere. He's like, no, but I have to hold it for discipline. And I'm wondering if this is either uh, a piss control kink or a hold your Wii for a Wii reference and that the koala monk is going to die later. I have no fucking clue. I do not remember if the koala monk comes back. But (laughs) I love the Midnight Rider because when I worked third shift in a warehouse there's a bar that opened at 6 a.m and it was exactly like the midnight rider and you could smoke in there so after work you could go get a cigar and garlic wings and it was the best great all of my night shift jobs were directly next to 24-hour mexican places so Mm. if i wanted to treat myself i just grabbed a big california burrito on the walk home and this place well two minutes walk from my house so you just park the car there get drunk and leave it yeah, I had that exact same thing with the Mexican places. Oh, hell yeah. When you have too many burritos to drive. <laughs> <laughs> I had a I've friend. Had that. I had a friend who used to deliberately leave his debit card uh, at the bar and not close his tab at the end of the night because uh, the automatic 20% gratuity that they would add as a punishment was way less of a percentage that, than he would actually give when he was like wasted and joyful. Otherwise, he's like, I would tip 50%. So like, I just leave it there. I come back the next day, they 20% me, and I'm not like, you know, fucking my bank account over. Look, sometimes I don't want to do math and I just say add 50 because I don't want to, I can't be bothered. Yeah, yeah. Also, what you should be taking from this is that podcasters are broken people who should not be trusted with money or alcohol. I am extremely <laughs> normal. Please ignore the picture in our Discord about $1,000 in desk organization stuff. <laughs> yeah, I have I have something that gives me just as much flexibility years and it cost me 20 bucks at a Target, my man. But it doesn't but it doesn't look this nice and it doesn't match my desk. Well, clearly you need to do what I did, which is just get a big wood-styled everything on your... Whoops! <laughs> let's, try, let's try that again with the uh, wooden desk furniture and shit. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out where the fuck the camera is, Amy! <laughs> yeah, just, like, wooden organizers and shit everywhere. Mm. Uh... <laughs> this worked a lot better before I fumbled a camera over my tits. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, the old so we, Kirby's tit and fumble. 
not GDQ just ended or that, I could say that that's coming up next. <laughs> so, we check in with the owner and beat bartender Joy. Business is dead, and she asks Shade what he wants. And instead of waiting for an answer, decides what he wants and offers it to him on the house. Joy asks why Shade came to Rain City, and he says he came for GW's funeral. Shade then turns the question around and uh, wonders why it is that you're here, Joy. And she says she's just trying the place out and trying to keep food on the table, but it's not really her thing. But it does let her get to know people and hear stories, which she is currently in need of. She hands Shade his drink, a rum and coke, which is just what he would have ordered. Shade continues to be confirmed as a basic bitch. Yeah. Shade is just a guy. Uh, Shade is also a type of guy. Mm-hmm. I worked with guys like Shade. Fish Trap Network about guys lately. <laughs> uh, let's be honest, we all know where we accidentally stole that from. Thanks, Brian. So, client check-ins are now a feature of the Midnight Rider because there are a lot of little side stories in the game which we can only experience via overhearing conversations at this bar. Yeah, a lot of weird shit will happen a lot later in the game that you're like, what the fuck is that if you were not checking in here? Mm-hmm. Basically, this is your Trails NPC stuff, but all in one location because they don't have that money. Yeah. Or, Currently. or because they respect you enough to not make you roam an entire world map for two hours every time you advance the plot. However... They don't respect you enough to let you know when there's new dialogue to listen to. And so sometimes you'll switch to a new day and go and listen to the exact same conversation and have to uh, scroll through a whole bunch of dialogue and then have to deal with the fade in, fade out as it focuses and then unfocuses on the conversation. Uh, If only there was some sort of podcast notes done more than four hours in advance that you could refer to and know you didn't have to go there. That's right. Chris is telling us all to just look at a walkthrough for this game rather there than play. There is not one. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking aware. Uh, anyhow, today all we really have to deal with is that a large man named Lionel will ask Shade if he knows anyone by the name Moonshine. Lionel's character model is great. Yeah, He has this like weird, spooky, like, tear stream like facial marking down one of his eyes and he looks like um a bald dude who's wearing a a long wig because of the way that his hair sits on his head but he looks like terrifying in the universe of this game not terrifying to look at for me ryan but you know that's your type huh (laughs) the bar has my new favorite fun way to find money which is that the ladies' room, you're like, wow, a $200 bill. Oh, this is fucking Monopoly money, those pranksters. And you're like, but wait, I found $10 in my pocket, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to treat this 10 to a drink later. That is a pretty good gag. Yeah. There's also a dude passed out at the bar, and every time that Shade checks him, it just it, he just says, this dude knows how to party. And usually the people who are getting so drunk that they're falling asleep at the bar don't actually know how to party. Shade needs to find cooler friends. We have seen Shade's friends, unfortunately for him. Yeah, for real. So uh, then with 
the rest of the town basically fully explored for the day, we head back to the hangar and tell Duke that we're ready to call it a day. And then we get uh, the next day title card, day three, 60 days remaining. The day starts with Trinket and Killer with Knife in the hospital. When asked, they won't tell him who they are, saying that they were just hoping to bump into Shade. Trinket tells Knife that he shouldn't feel bad about Godworm's death. He was a seven-star criminal, and his funeral was packed with fans. Trinket then asks Knife if he has received a proposal from the Soviets and if he is a communist, which, again, like, just weaving real-world, like, Soviets and communists into this very, like, fantasy future where there are animal people. Very jarring at first. Like, I... I don't, I'm not completely sure because I don't think it's ever elaborated on, but I'm like 90% sure that these guys are CIA, basically. Okay, okay, yeah. Because it, it's also implied that they're Yakuza a little bit. So, you know, yeah, they, they could be double agents or whatever. The Yakuza are here. They are not Trinket and Shade, I'll tell you that. Yeah, word, okay. So, uh, Knife is not a communist and has not received a proposal from the Soviets, and Trinket presses, asking if he knows anyone who has been in contact with the Soviets, perhaps Shade? Knife says no. Trinket lets out a sigh and says that they will be seeing him soon and will be keeping an eye on him. Trinket calls him a hillbilly on the way out. Shade and Duke start the day at the table, and uh, Duke Duke starts it. Can you imagine, by the way, can you imagine Knife in a clandestine meeting with, like, Soviet intelligence? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I've watched the Americans. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Uh, so That was season two. It was totally <laughs> season two. Knife would never get hella into Christianity despite his own parents, though. So... <laughs> Shade and Duke uh, start the day at the table uh, on the ground floor of the hangar. Duke says, whenever I wake and see your dumb face, I ask myself, where the hell did I take the wrong road? That's well, a pretty good every, Duke. Every Thank time you. I record the podcast, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cut. Once again, I, I, I elaborated on this a little bit in our first episode, but I do really like the dynamic between Shade and Duke where, like, they clearly don't really like each other, but they were united by both their, like, like older brotherly love of cowboy, their, their, uh, sorry, of, of knife, their, you know, little himbo cinnamon roll and also united by the one of their group who died uh and otherwise they would not be friends but they're just kind of stuck with each other it it like there's there's a lot of like shared history and like begrudging affection in their relationship that they accomplish without a whole lot of like explanation of backstory it's just that the dialogue feels lived in in that way yeah Later, we'll find out it's because they probably wrote all of that backstory first and then moved it to the middle of the game, mm. which is a good way to do it. Yeah. Today, we find out that the hospital called and Knife is ready to be discharged, which is good news because Duke is tired of hanging out with a dumbass all day. <laughs> they head off to the hospital together and the doctor tells them that Knife should avoid physical exertion and stress. And he's like, just a reminder. 
Knife was punched several times by a three-ton metal hand, basically surviving <laughs> a sequence of car crashes. Maybe he should stop piloting robots. Uh, the doctor leaves the room and Knife is immediately ready to start training. And Duke is like, absolutely not. Were you listening? And uh, the two head back to the hangar. And Shade says he needs to catch some air and we'll link up later. And outside... Shade gets a call from Hog, who mysteriously has his phone number somehow, which is even more mysterious, because how does Shade's phone know who it is? Hog has got an irrefutable proposal right out of the money oven just for you. And uh, we head off to Hog's yard, and Hog tells us that his nephew is coming to town in two days and is bringing his mecha. Fancy boy. Great name for a robot. <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> They thought that they could just clean up the uh, junkyard a little bit, move some cars, have themselves an arena. Uh, having backyard mech fights, highly illegal. But <laughs> Hog has friends in high places, which he describes as so high you would think they were aliens. And with their help, he somehow got approval for a backyard mech fight in a city. Hog's going to sell tickets, promote the event, take bets, and we're going to get paid well even if we lose. And we agree, and the fight is set for two days from now at 9 p.m. Uh, the, like, really, like, desperate, slimy paternalism that comes off of Hog in this moment where he's like, oh, I knew you were my boy. I think if you just like another son, like, gave me the fucking willies. It's like he he is such a slime ball and, like, does this, like, over familiarity thing so intensely. It's great. The... The character work that they do later when he's negotiating with you shortly is so good. Mm -hmm. At the Midnight Rider, you can grab a drink and Joy will ask how our mech business is going, where Shade will tell her knife has been discharged. Joy asks if he was hurt and Shade says, no, no, pilots just need pre and post fight checkups. Totally <laughs> normal. And she says she wants to see our next fight. She would like a seat. At the crapyard, Z is also glad to hear about Knife's discharge. I hate that you worded when, it like that. <laughs> Why? He's discharged from the hospital. Yeah, but I am so glad to hear about your friend's discharge. It's just, it's, it's gross, okay? That's it's absolutely gross. something Z would say. Yeah, fair. I did not expect this to be where Ryan comes out as sex negative. <laughs> discharge yeah, is not about fun. sex. I don't know. Uh, well, it sounds like you're doing it right. Maybe you're, yeah. <laughs> oh Both of us rushing for the joke. <laughs> so, speaking of Knife, when we go back to the hangar, he is climbing all over Cowboy, antsy as hell, saying he's going to die of boredom. When Duke tells him the doctor said to avoid stress, Knife tells him that being so bored is stressing him out, and he just wants to pilot, man. Shade says, good to hear it, because turns out we've got a fight. Duke, you're going to negotiate this one. Knife is stoked as hell and uses this to steamroll Duke, because Shade says they need to get a personal trainer for their crap sauce pilot. Duke says, sounds expensive, and says they're not millionaires, while Shade implies they used to be. However, Shade has also heard about this trend of coaching robots, which Knife is down for as long as he gets to name it. So Knife Leopard is just Beefcake Titus. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, I'm, he's, he has such intense himbo energy, and he's such, like, a loving parody of the 
like mecha pilot protagonist who only knows fight and teamwork and nothing else. He's so dumb in such an endearing way. Also, I want to make sure that it's hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way he does, he just fumbles around being an ally to this. We don't know if this robot is sentient and it's right to name itself is so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have we have like zero impression of what the status of robot sapience is in this world. Uh, and all we know is that the himbo is really into the idea of robot sapience. Uh, also, he makes one of the first overt anime references here, hoping that they can get someone like Genji Kamagawa, the coach from Hajime no Ippo. Mm. He Knife also, is a huge weeb, and I just believe that in this universe, that anime existed. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Also, it's weird that this is explicitly set in 2017. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it talks about stuff in the 90s as though the 90s uh, was some kind of future uh, where shit that didn't happen in our world happened. And so, like, you know, the it's it's very alternate future, but is very knowingly playing with the fact that these years have already happened. But, you know, if this if this were designed in 1990, then this far off land of 2017 would be, you know, it would make more sense. It's it. It, fe it's funny. it feels really bad to know that anime is an inevitability and not just like a byproduct of our particular timeline. <laughs> also, I had to double check. Uh, I definitely wonder now if a lot of the similarities in this and not knowing the 2017 thing would put it one year before Megalobox, which it is ripping off heavily. Mm. Hmm. Anyhow, chatting with Knife, he will tell us things like, Cowboy's more than just a robot, man. We got a connection. And if you talk to him about the coaching robot, Knife wants to name it something classy like James Charles, and then goes, wait, no, maybe it has free will so it can choose its own name. But if it's a girl, I like Marlene. At one point, when he's like rifling through names, he lands upon a name. He's like, oh, I don't like that. That that name would make it sound like a butler. And then he goes, well, nothing against butlers, which is... <laughs> Very good. Former millionaire. Don't want to be. Don't want to be racist to my butler. Uh -huh. So, day four. Uh, day day three was pretty quick. Honestly, uh, day four yeah. we have fifty nine days remaining, and it's one day to fancy boy. The day opens at the table again. Duke needs to spend the day working on cowboys circuits. Shade says he'll grab Z to uh, help and look for the coaching robot. Over at the crap yard, Shade tells Z about the fight, and she says, that's fine. A couple, She's like, what are we talking, like six months? And then she goes, when Shade's like, mm, less time, she goes, okay, that's fine. A couple of weeks will be plenty of time. And he's like, well, it's actually tomorrow night. And she's like, that, you are Jesus all Christ, idiots. Dude. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I love the reminder later that she doesn't know who Knife is either. Yeah, yeah, she like, hasn't sweet met Christ, the pilot. what are you guys doing? <laughs> uh -huh. Um, so she also can get us a coaching robot. She shows Shade some options in a catalog, and they are all obscenely expensive. Shade can't afford anything she's willing to sell him, as she only works with stuff she really believes in. She refuses to sell him a faulty robot and discourages him from buying one. Uh, she says that, like their human counterparts, coaching robots are mostly scams. 
Since we know someone who will sell us anything, the quest log updates suggesting we go see Hog. It's uh, it, the little like quest log for see a robot coach. See what Z knows it is now checked, and then a new quest called a robot coach still pops up, and the uh, the quest marker text is maybe Hog. Then Hog yeah. turns out used to have a ton of this old model of robot that he bought as an investment but the company turned out to be an enormous flop he was able to sell most of them uh and was able to dismantle and part out some others but there were just so many that he still thinks he has one laying around and fetches a flyer the flyer is clearly just like this hand drawn like child version of an ad that like it's amazing. It's this like little chibi thing, and the chest says "Advertise here," and um, the company is called Kukri, and there's like a whole bunch of Portuguese text pointing to things, and also things that say shit like "Nice arms" and "Buy and sell personal information." Uh, Loves children is my favorite. Yeah. Um. Hog continues and is like, uh, this robot can basically do anything. It can even... Oh, you didn't read the name of it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. It's called Peepoo. The robot is called Peepoo, uh, which is... The all-purpose D-bot. Yeah, which is a name that we will be hearing so much of because Peepoo says his own name a lot. Uh, At one point, he's also like, yeah, you know, it can teach you any... it, It can, like, it's got flash memory, and so it can learn anything and then teach you anything. Even something like Krav Maga. Great Krav Maga reference. Hog then says that yeah it's probably buried somewhere around here and uh he's like i'll sell it to you for a hundred dollars which shade abjectly refuses shade negotiates down to 65 but uh also he has to throw in the labor of digging it up himself uh as we cut to having done so and it looks like a supreme piece of shit Mm -hmm. like the model is so bad looking it's so beat up that hog says we can just have it for free. It being here is kind of killing his whole vibe. Please take it. And it smells like a rotting corpse, apparently. And uh, Shade now refuses to take it. And Hog is now willing to pay him to take it. And they just could, for like several minutes, shit talk this robot back and forth. <laughs> while Peepoo starts to interject increasingly annoyed. Shoutouts to Peepoo's demon voice. Yeah, it goes from hey to hey. <laughs> uh, in this conversation, Hog drops the company failed because the use quote useless robots were all leaking radiation, <laughs> and uh, Peepoo grows legs and like long human legs, shouts at them about how he can hear everything they're saying, and they flip which is represented by the sprites being spun around on their feet while anime (laughs) lines are around the screen. Very good. Uh, And Peepoo goes to rail them out for uh, being huge assholes, but the battery dies, and then suddenly Knife is there and loves Peepoo. And sensing an opportunity, Hog sells it to Knife for $100. Oh my god, little fucking swindler. (laughs) Um, worth pointing out that, uh, that, like, advertising plate on the chest, uh, Peepoo's looks like it says hell, which is yeah. amazing. I think, like, six screenshots so I can get both the legs and hell in it. 
We cut back to the hangar, and Z is fixing up pee-poo. She also meets Knife and realizes that we're in way deeper shit than we thought, based on our pilot. Uh, somewhere in here, Z will say, The fuck was Hog talking about? This thing's not radioactive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, that's Hog's cover for This robot was clearly designed by a child. Uh-huh. Knife asks, Is this the witch you guys have been talking about? And, uh... There's just a big, excited portrait from ZZ, and everyone is like, why did you say that? <laughs> and then she's initially upset, and then says, I don't care what you say about me, just say it to my face. I'm old and have heard all of it already. <laughs> the crew then gets to work, as they have a fight tomorrow, and suddenly twice as many stupid robots to fix. <laughs> when asked, Knife loves Peepoo and is going to give it a bath, and Duke is extremely upset that you bought this robot. <laughs> And in our defense, Knife bought it. Yell at Knife yeah. for once. Doesn't yeah. does come out of our money. Imagine if you had to do work to pay for this robot and then it turned out to be Pee-Poo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I already had a million dollars, so I, I had no problem paying a hundred. kick off day five with 58 days to go and fancy boy is due not much happens at the start of the day knife is hype duke's not really thrilled and just asks that we not blow this mech and its pilot up a second time sorry in advance mm. yep if you check on Pipu, shade is impressed knife completely cleaned it and the corpse smell is gone the uh, the corpse smell was actually two dead rats inside, which Knife is sad about because he says that they were hugging each other. It was real sad. It seemed like they were lovers. Oof. This happens in the new Sonic game, by the way. <laughs> I love that there is just like the Hiroshima lovers rat corpses in this robot. Yeah, yeah I, <laughs> I was thinking of the Vesuvius lovers, but that that they both work. It it is it's so funny, and it paints such a like rich picture of knife being this like gentle soul who also doesn't fucking understand shit. It's great. I just kept thinking of the mother su the murder suicide from uh, Sonic. <laughs> Knife is like we already knew we had a hint that Knife was like a dumb himbo because like imagine having time to recreationally read a book and the book you choose is the Call of the Wild yeah. <laughs> or just a book for dudes. Uh-huh. I don't think I've ever actually read that one. It's fine. It's definitely a okay. book that like yeah I read in fourth grade because it was assigned and uh, it 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 hits at about that fourth grade level. But you know you can read it as an adult I guess. We just did Hatchet instead. Yeah, that's what we read instead of The Call of the Wild. They made a lot of those, by the way. My man yeah, three or four. does not want to go back. <laughs> uh, so, Midnight Rider, on the other hand, is now very busy because it turns out 
that with a mech fight in town, a lot of people are at the bar and wanting to get drunk or watch the match on the TVs in the background. I love Charlie Boiler. There is now a girl in the booth with Lionel, and we will eavesdrop on them. Lionel is surprised that the tracker Moonshine he was trying to meet is a 20-something girl. He was expecting someone more experienced. She's not offended because she did in fact catfish him. She saw the request for a tracker and generated a profile for the kind of grizzled old guy he was looking for. Lionel asks, why go to such grant lengths, according to our notes writer? <laughs> and she says it's because he's Lionel, the devil of Cincinnati. Great name. Mm -hmm. She thought if she was going to hunt, she might as well go with the best. And she knows he's after lullaby. They have a back and forth. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not interested in that moonshot fairy tale. Fairy tales don't leave tracks. Neither does lullaby. They do if you know where to look. And she is also looking for something, and so Moonshine suggests a quid pro quo to end this. Even though this sounds like nothing, this is very plot important. I, I figured. I figured. It's, it's funny that it's kind of a reverse catfish, because uh, usually it's a grizzled old guy making a profile of, like, a plucky woman in her early 20s with, like, short blonde hair. The other conversation... There's also... Hang on, let me just make sure... Yeah. So yeah, there is a new guy uh, who's just kind of like standing next to a pillar. He's not at any of the booths. He's got a cloak and goggles and has a tiny little robot leaning. Or he's he's leaning on the pillar and the robot is just like at his feet next to him. And he gruffly asks in what I think is supposed to be a quasi-Soviet accent what we're looking at, only because he just says, what are you looking at? There is also a pair of people in the booth right next to the jukebox with the TV on the wall, and uh, they are named Junkie Peter and Charlie Boy. Junkie Peter is excited that they're bringing mechs to this pisshole. One is an outdated heavy head, and the other is that freak that killed a guy. I thought that they were talking about totally different people. I did not catch on that they were talking about like our own mech and just didn't know the names of things. Charlie Boy is excited to see the murder machine. Junkie Peter says the pilot's head exploded. The cockpit was a mess, and his cousin was able to catch one of his flying eyeballs right from his seat. They might make the news if they stay till the end. Charlie is stoked at the idea that they're about to be famous for, like, catching another <laughs> eyeball. Their fantasy is that somebody else gets grotesquely murdered, and they get interviewed on, what was it like to watch this guy die at a sporting event? <laughs> World star. World star. <laughs> yeah. I love... Charlie Boy is so excited all the time. I love him. Yeah. Yeah. Also, great name for your talking dog. <laughs> so, uh, now is our last chance to go do some stuff before locking in for the fight. And so, we can explore around if we want. The game smartly, like, if you go to an area and there's absolutely nothing to do, it will sometimes tell you. It'll be like, you know, you approach the hospital and Shade will go, uh, knife's already been discharged. I don't need to go in there. Or uh, later, if uh, when you're on a specific, like, little plot quest line, if you go to the wrong area, it's like, oh, I don't sense anything here. Better go somewhere else. But sometimes it's pretty bad about this because... You will have multiple objectives in the day, and it will go, I don't know, I should do this first one instead, mm -hmm. and just cut you off. Yeah. yeah. 
the 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 one that happens today is pretty annoying because you have no idea that this is the plot cliff yet. Right. Yeah, that's true. But once we are done exploring or maybe doing some other ill-advised bike deliveries, uh, the, we go back the to the reason hangar. this is here, by the way, is that you could theoretically still need money to repair. Like right. you might so you don't get locked into the fight with nothing. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. I ended up being able to get fully healed with the money that I did from exploring and like two attempts at the bike delivery. So uh, you don't need that much money yet, thank goodness. Uh, but yeah, we head back to the hangar, and as soon as we're good to go, Duke will call in Z. ZZ says that we actually did a great job on the mech. She couldn't work on a new engine yet, but they found temporary fixes for everything, and it should last a couple of weeks if we don't push it too hard. She gives uh, the dog, she she gives Duke, who she calls the dog, uh, like some grudging, respectful words about uh, how how he managed to fix it and work on it. Uh, hopefully their relationship deepens a little bit. The gang then rolls out to Hog's, uh, Hog's yard. Hog has packed the place and is stoked with how much money is about to make. And uh, he's now dressed in like a uh, a circus ringleader or a carnival barker outfit with like really garish pinstriped suit and a top hat. And his character portrait is just like the most evil grin. Just very yeah, much like... like you suckers, I'm about to make so much money on your idiot asses. Yeah, he is ready to log on to Reddit. <laughs> um, the, and then, yeah, we get two just, like, unbelievably anime portraits as he, like, first points at the camera with, like, really glowing eyes, and he's, like, farting out a little toot from his hog's butt, and he says, I'm gonna cash in big tonight. And then he does, like, a shonen pose where he's like kind of squatting and and flexing his biceps but like he's not, drooling and drooling but there are like flames uh coming out of his hands as he yells this is the pose yeah this is the pose that goku does when he's super saiyan but he needs to make his aura reappear right 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 and 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 hog just says capitalism prospers yeah incredible there are there are a lot of screenshots in these notes, and there will be probably forever. Mm -hmm. It's good for us to, yeah, uh, it's such like an art, like a 2D art focused game storytelling wise. Yeah. So we are going to keep camping out on some of these. We get into the fight and the arena is the most basic layout, which is uh, seven squares long fighters in one and seven with a plus five modifier in two and five. Uh, if you try to maintain distance, like the obvious first move is to just move over one and stand in the plus five. So he moves into your gun range. Uh, when you do that, you get a car thrown at you, which everyone is very jazzed about, except Duke. Right. Who's like, that's illegal that you you can't throw a car. So this fight is winnable if you know how it's going to happen, but you're not going to win. What's going to happen is you're eventually going to get got when Fancy Jack is three squares away from you and he one shots you with like the move called Guillotine Head, where he just has a giant knife on top of his head and headbutts you in the chest with it. Okay, I don't think this is winnable because I fucked around and the game blatantly cheats. Because I broke every part, and it refused to let me kill the second arm. It just kept the thing at 10 HP. 
And so the core has 70 HP. Mm -hmm. Most of your attacks do 20, which means that you have to leave it with 10 HP. And when the core gets to 10 HP, it will pull out guillotine whatever part is still there. I got guillotine punch for the one-hit KO. It has a minimum range, and you can win. Like, I won this on accident the first time by just pushing it into the corner because there's a minimum range, and that's how Hmm. you can get through. Uh, There's even, like, dialogue later that references you having won the fight twice, beating Fancy Jack twice, even if you have not. So, like, it is definitely winnable. Okay. Uh, Mostly I'm just mad extra bucks. (laughs) I'm just mad it had to blatantly cheat against you. Yeah. It will. Also, like, it, I, I do, I want to camp out on this for just a quick second because I do think that it, like, this is a visual novel, basically, but it has, you know, tactical JRPG combat. And that is a big draw of the game. And to start the game with two, fights that you're not supposed to win in a row even though the second one is technically winnable does not lead with its best foot because that means that it's going to be like four hours or something into the game before you like get your first kind of normal fight yeah it's like even in like the other worst version of this that we've talked about is like final fantasy 13 where it's like four hours until you have a first real fight where you have like the actual job mechanics and stuff but even then you have like some basic mook fights before then yeah like get a feel for everything yeah these are mostly just like plot events that happen that they decide to make playable Mm -hmm. because otherwise you would be doing nothing but reading for three hours first sure I don't have to love it, though. No, yeah, no. Yeah, same. And I don't think you should. <laughs> and also, generally, like, if you're not going to do the optional stuff, which we'll probably do, uh, there's not there's I wish there would be more mainline combat. It's yeah, it's, it's like funny. the combat it's, is really good. It It is it is kind of like the monkey's paw curling of, you know, like the the folks out there who think that JRPGs have too many cornmeal battles in between the actual interesting battles and this one is like all right we're cutting it all the way down there are only a few core battles and and i'm sitting here like oh, i i want more cornmeal not actual cornmeal because i want something tactically interesting but uh it is it is funny to be on the other side of a jrpg that has too few battles in case the notes come up late keep an eye on where around where knife is on the t is there's two tiers there's one right below him and then the one he's on there's like a little tv there there will eventually be a game console there and that's where you can do more combat work on your build and then soon we'll get the convenience store where you'll be able to buy a battle pass for the game you play there and that is the best way to win money is by doing combats in there that gets you parts and money and you get to do more combat and, like, play, mess with your builds and stuff. Great. So, after the match, the gang heads to the Midnight Rider to mope. Joy is glad to meet Mr. Rum and Cola's friends. Duke's soul drink is just plain old beer. Uh, I also, as well as Chris in the notes, definitely thought it was PBR uh-huh. because I was thinking of Blue Ve- I was thinking of Blue Velvet. Uh-huh. At, first I, at first I was like, is this like a high life? And I'm like, no, high life is too fancy for Duke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I just started thinking of Frank. I just started thinking of a screaming Frank. <laughs> oh, my God. Knife it fucking... definitely drinks a high life. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A knife drinks Zima. Um, but, ha! like, yeah. It, uh, my fucking... mother drinks Zima. 
Uh, Rip. Duke. Uh, I, I'm surprised they haven't done like a quasi ironic Zima revival, honestly. Uh, look, it was. They fun. tried. They tried. It was fine. I don't know. It, it was, was like right. five or six years ago. Oh, damn. I missed it. I, I wanted to try it. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say it's something. It's still else. in like Brazil or something, I think. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the <laughs> giving Duke a nitrous oxide mask that he just huffs from would be so fucking funny. Yeah, uh, Zima was revived in 2017 and 2018 in different nations, and it is still alive in Japan this year. Wow. The, the thing with Zima is that Zima weirdly spits, splits the middle ground between like a beer and like a sweet cocktail in a uh-huh. way that no one asked for. Yeah, it was proto Mike's hard lemonade uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Kept a lot of the like the beer qualities alive, from what I gather, which is strange. Yeah, like what if a rum and coke was a beer instead? Is basically <laughs> the experience of drinking a Zima. For 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 the Zoomers in our audience, just 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 google zima it was it became a punchline drink like any like any movie that was dealing in like traditional tropes of masculinity when they wanted uh, to make a guy like just a big old dork they would have him order a zima at the bar you put zima, that much more politely than i was about to <laughs> zima is the zima is the beer for people who also drink balls <laughs> I was going to say Zima is the beer you offer someone to call them the F slur. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of drinks, uh, Joy says she's missing some ingredients for knife soul drink, but we'll get them for next time and just hands him a beer. What do you think it's going to be? I don't know. I'm knife, gonna is, say... knife to me. Tiki drink guy to me. Oh yeah, tiki drink guy, or like a, or like a, like a vodka crayon for for some reason also would work here. Not a full Cosmo. He doesn't want the grenadine in there, but just a just a vodka crayon. See, I thought girl drink tiki drink style thing, but I thought that was too easy a joke, and also Joy would have that on hand. Uh, yeah, maybe, but maybe it's not like a joke. That's just the guy he is. <laughs> Well, I was just thinking of the girl drink drunk skit from Kids. Yeah, Marvel. right. Yeah. Which still one of my favorite bits of sketch comedy ever. Absolutely. I love Fancy Jack's portrait, by the way. It makes him look like he has a monocle the whole time. Mm-hmm. Fancy Jack, who has uh, just rolled up at this point, is actually probably my favorite character at this yeah. point. Uh-huh. He has such a ni- he has such a nice sprite. It's like he just looks chill until you look at his portrait where they try and make him look a little more sinister but he basically just looks like a student you'd know who might have done some backpacking a hundred percent yeah 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 so yeah uh everyone slowly realizes that oh yeah this is the pilot who just whooped our ass and jack compliments knife saying yeah you're you're a pretty good pilot you just didn't have any intel on me and Jack is pretty surprised we didn't prepare for the fight at all because he was watching the tape of our one match and figured this out. So yeah, Jack thanks Shade for setting up the fight on such short notice because he really needed a sparring partner. And we were local, there was a lot of footage, so it's great. It's a good thing that he's not pro or he would have totaled us since we walked in unprepared. But He's going to be our anime rival now. And I believe he does actually say anime he, rival. He does. He Let's does. be anime rivals. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. 
Some sometimes when this game like calls it out and gets on the nose, it's annoying to me. And sometimes it's very charming to me. And this one was charming. At some point, Fancy Jack is also a huge weeb. And at some point, Fancy Jack and Shade will have an eight minute conversation about what makes a good Korean drama. <laughs> so just to tell you, <laughs> just like Wolf Shrine is just. We're about it, so our characters are about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congrats, you found a way to outweave me, because that's going to be something where I will have to actually look up references. <laughs> My wife loves K-dramas, so I've seen a lot of K-dramas. Let me tell you the one about the autistic lawyer. Don't know what it's called. Pretty good. Mm. There's a K-drama about an autistic everything. Yeah. I've seen Dr. Brain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's very, it's like, the fucking really awful uh, CBS uh, drama, The Good Doctor, is based off of a K-drama as well, uh, which is, yeah, they, I, I don't know how their autistic doctor show goes over there, but uh, the autistic doctor show that we made as uh, an imported reinterpretation. <laughs> Don't say we, I was not responsible. The United States, I also was not responsible. <laughs> but it fucking sucks. It sucks so Sybil bad. didn't deny, write it down. <laughs> I was going to debate whether or not I should mention some guild membership and was just going to leave it alone. <laughs> Look, I live next to L.A. I have done occasional work. Uh -huh. <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, we are now going to have uh, Fancy Jack as a rival to help each other out, climb the ranks together, and then face off in the finals. And Duke is like, the hell are you talking about? What finals? But Shade already knows, though, because we're going to be one more for the UGG United Golden God Worldwide Cup. The screenshot is right there, and it says ultimate. Great. Fix that shit in post. I'm not. <laughs> no. But yeah, let's use let's break out the simple voice real quick. <laughs> Ultimate golden god. No, That's right. Uh, let's be real. Uh, with the soundboard that we already have uh that we already have assembled from her voice clips, it would be the ultimate golden gynoid. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to make any sense why <laughs> Matt's just going to be going, what the hell is this? Oh my god, yeah. I, uh, I It shows up in the Craig, by the way. Oh, That's the best good. part about the soundboard. <laughs> good. Great. I was wondering about that. Okay. Okay, so Jack, because he is such a good expository bro, god, he's just so friendly. He has, like, yeah. none of his uncle's, like, like supreme swindler vibes he just he just like yeah wants a pal to spar with and then maybe like grow to hate and then respect so uh he explains yeah he's he's the coke son who uh makes those fucking shirts he's a fail son <laughs> wyatt coke yeah uh, so, uh, yeah, he explains uh, the whole deal to everybody who's not Shade. The UGG is the ultimate golden god, the most popular worldwide mech championship. Any pilot anywhere in the world can take part in it. Nationality, background, and even criminality don't matter. All that matters is your rank. As you beat pilots and climb the ladder, you may even get to fight the queen herself. The prize, you ask? 21 million real dollars for first. Even third place gets 7 million. That, like, makes both Knife and Duke flip out. They're like, holy fucking shit, 21 million? Oh my god. 
It's really funny because in mind they're literal millionaires right now. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, wow. Um, Number it, go up, you say. <laughs> also, <laughs> it's very like it's very funny how he explains that this is like the great equalizer, like one of the only ways that like the poor and downtrodden and forgotten classes of the society can be on equal footing with like the rich assholes. But also that's still not true because the rich assholes have way more capital to invest in their robots. So, uh-huh. like, maybe the number one ranked pilot is the head of the Engelbrecht company that we have heard about already? Yeah, right, exactly. So, Jack continues, The money is not easy, though. We have to beat the baddest, evilest, world's best motherfuckers. They pilot mechs like none we've seen before. There's Canyon Bolt, a superhero with millions of fans, Mad Margot, a Nobel-winning billionaire philanthropist and TV host. <laughs> And who's just, if Oprah was a mech pilot, is really the vibe. <laughs> what a cursed sentence. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, you get a car thrown you at you. You get a stinger. You yeah. get a car yes. thrown at you. <laughs> and eventually, the undisputed champion, Queen Von Wilhelmine, who honestly does kind of look like a gender-flipped Wilhelm from uh, Xenosaga at this point. Yeah. With that, Jack asks again, would we like to be rivals? And of course Knife does. He's got a new bro to fight. Shade then schedules a rematch again two days from now without asking ZZ if that's enough time. (laughs) Jack wants this to be official, which is how Knife finds out that he is a ranked pilot, having become ranked 297 after defeating Godworm. Jack is unranked, and so he's looking forward to an easy jumpstart to 297. He invites us to his after party, but we decline because we have a bunch of work to do. Duke finally admits to himself that we are never going to sell Cowboy. (laughs) That man's still holding on hope somehow. Uh (laughs) While we're still at the bar, we can talk around. Junkie Peter and Charlie Boy loved the fight. They loved Jack and his car throwing and think the fight came down solely to pilot skill. They want to see Murder Machine make a comeback. After the fight, Shade senses something and we find it past the Shinto gate on the way to the hospital. And there, Shade runs into an old friend, Oyabun. Oyabun is this, like, tiny old man with like just a shock of white hair and a big beard and speaks kind of cryptically uh also oyabun is like the euphemism for boss in the yakuza so uh we have maybe some evidence that shade used to be part of the yakuza here again oyabun asks shade if he's found his way yet and shade admits that he's still looking Oyabun says, that's fine, be patient, and today I saw a butterfly without wings trying to fly. He wishes that he could have given it wings so it could fly away. The biggest fucking wings ever. He wishes he could have made things different for it. And Shade says, maybe it's not supposed to fly. Aren't you talking about a caterpillar? And uh, (laughs) Oyabun responds, saying, even if it crawls for a while, it is, in essence, a butterfly. Shade disagrees, and Oyabun tells him he just lacks the patience to see things for what they really are, and that he still can't see the whole picture, and Shade can only see what he was. Oyabun tells Shade that he is just blind and numb to his surroundings and can't imagine unfurling his wings and flying across the ocean. 
that is the end of day five and the episode. What I, did we think about the episode? Before we talk about the episode, I yeah? I have beef with this metaphor for the dumbest fucking reason, which is that oh uh, boy, the cool thing <laughs> about caterpillars and butterflies is that before a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, it has a phase where it is just goo in there. It, yeah, it, and, in essence. Uh-huh, okay. Literally. <laughs> I, I just I just think that caterpillars and butterflies are entirely different categories, and so Oyabun's full of shit. Let me tell you, as the goo phase of a lady, <laughs> it's real fucking fun in that middle part. <laughs> I don't get a fucking chrysalis. <laughs> I gotta go make some fucking money. <laughs> shit sucks. Woof. <laughs> injecting hormones into like a chrysalis just to see what happens <laughs> not gonna say the things that went through my head at that uh-huh. <laughs> that's gross speaking of things we can't say what did mm-hmm. we think about the contents of this episode <laughs> i want this game to open up it's still it's still keeping you on the rails and i know there's more systems to come but Nothing was more demoralizing than the game having to blatantly cheat because I outwitted it. Because I outwitted it in the way it didn't want me to. Yeah. Like, you're just supposed to get owned is basically it. Yeah, I... I, I I feel very similarly. That's a fun complaint given that we almost talked about Lufia instead. Another <laughs> series all about this. Uh-huh. Um, I think there's only, like... Two of those, and they reward you. Mm. That's true. That's true. And every single one, you can beat Gaines, but are expected to get owned by Gaines immediately. Mm -hmm. But if you do, they give you some good shit, not just 200 bucks. Right. Yeah. Also, the 200 bucks is just what it would have cost you to make your chest unit not destroyed also. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I I feel very similarly. It's I, I am... So close to really liking this game, but these these first four or so hours uh, do keep you like really reined in. And I just yeah, I want to get into some more fights. I want to be able to like do some more exploring a little bit. And I can tell that it's probably coming. I can tell it's just not there yet. I like the yeah. I liked the characterization though, like the the like. Very winking edge lordiness that pops up in the script uh, is less annoying now than it was in the first episode because, like, the characters are settling in. I can see more of the dynamics now. The Peepu gives off a shitty first impression, except for like when he first gets mad is is funny. But I I am bracing myself for hating this character for a while. Uh, Peepu sucks the whole time and you eventually just come to like the way he sucks is basically <laughs> it like Haro yeah I, li- yeah. I like Haro <laughs> I have like five fucking Haro like, kids like I love podcast co-hosts <laughs> I love Haro but Haro is a big dumbass in first Gundam okay but victory Gundam okay yeah 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 
Or G Witch. Uh-huh. Or yeah, but that's a yeah. million hours of already watching Gundam where you've Stockholm syndrome. No, 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 no. Liking just, this. just jump to Victory Gundam. Anyone who doesn't like Haro, jump to V Gundam right now. <laughs> and then never watch like another watch Gundam that. again because you're so put off by that really weird, messy show that I love anyway. I fucking love Victory Gundam. Oh, same, same. It's it's the I was gonna it's say, the imagine UC, liking a bad Gundam. It's the UC Gundam for sickos. Yeah. I was like, imagine liking a bad Gundam. And then I'm like over here like, we should check out Iron Blood Orphans. Also <laughs> if a you bad want a, Gundam. If you want a bad Gundam, Double Zero exists. <sighs> uh, if you want the worst Gundam, see Destiny exists. I don't know. I still think I'd put Double Zero below just because of that movie. Mm, okay. A Gundam might be bad. There are so many Gundams that are the bad Gundam. Like, what's that fucking shitty CG one? Is that Scorpion? No, you're thinking of uh, After Gundam X, I believe. Yeah, there's a lot of or Igloo or Igloo. There's a couple of CG ones. Uh, Gundam X is one of the ones that did not come over here forever. And then some people discovered it and was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. So I don't think it's X. Anyway. Maybe age, maybe yeah. it's one of the ones that has a weird. We're we're getting there, so like people will be online, and people will let you buy like moves that you can do. Z will be done the engine, which gives you the overdrive meter, and then you can also buy parts from her. You could buy upgrades for stuff at the gas. Oh, station I'm going to be opens. the richest bitch in uh, wherever this is. <laughs> Yeah, we'll be able to, like, uh, the gas station where you buy stuff like a treadmill, which gives you more delivery time on BDSM. So we're basically there. Mm-hmm. We're just meeting all of the characters who will be vendors for all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can tell. I can tell it's there. We just haven't hit it yet in the game proper, and I'm starting to get starting to get a little impatient. If we weren't covering this game for the show, I could have, like, blasted through these first five days uh, much yeah. quicker. You would be done this game already. Yeah, yeah. I think we have one more character to meet, and they don't, nothing is locked behind them. They're like a story relevant character. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think so. We'll see you next week. I don't know what, I don't know what it'll be. We'll be the whatever fight is after Fancy Jack. <laughs> I spoilers. I haven't done any of the notes for this yet. I will do them <laughs> next week, probably. Maybe. I'll think about it. <laughs> Great. Peace out, fuckers. See ya! And also with you. That's right. I was done before Ryan because sometimes the bidet poops for you. (laughs) That's an alarming sentence I am in no way going to unpack.